This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. Welcome back to Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Our first story this week comes from Boston Blackie. We'll hear the Aggie Rogers murder from April 8, 1947. After that, it's 21st Precinct and The Job, their story from August 4, 1954. Maggie, here's your food. Sister, can you hear me? Open the slot in your door. Go away, Martha. I don't want any food. But you have to eat. Open the slot. All right, it's open. I hope you've still left room between the boxes in there for me to push the food through. Go ahead and push it through. There's room for the food to get through. But you can't get in here. I won't come into your part of the house. Have I ever tried? If you do try, I'll kill you. This is my house. The money's mine, too. You love that money more than anything, don't you? I gave up marrying to get the money. Father willed it to me. If I'd never marry. And you haven't married either because you want the money when I die. Don't you? But my money is going to someone else. And you are... Yes, I know all about that. Aggie, I'll need a few dollars again. You won't go out of the house, and I have to bring you things to eat. If you weren't afraid of what would happen to you, you'd leave me here to starve, wouldn't you? Aggie, we've lived in this house together for 25 years, and I've never failed to bring you your food. You want my money, that's why. You want this house. Well, it's mine. You hear me? Oh, Aggie, won't we ever leave here? Must we live with this? Bills all our lives? Are we going to die among the boxes and barrels and rags and papers? I like the house the way it is. It's safe. It's dirty and musty and damp and it smells. But I like it. I like it. And I hate you. Now go away. Go away. And don't ever talk to me. Go away. <laughs> I'll bring you some food again day after tomorrow. Keep well, dear. <laughs> and now on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. I realize I'm a complete stranger to you, Blackie, but I'm sure you're familiar with the house I'm talking about. I certainly am. Uh, what did you say your name was? Uh, oh, yes, uh, Crane. Uh, well, Mrs. Crane, I think the Rogers Mansion is one of the most famous 
I saw it in the city. <laughs> you say you heard one of the sisters moaning this afternoon? Yes, Blackie. I was coming home from the grocery store. Oh, it was loud moaning, too, because, you know, the windows are boarded up, but I could still hear it. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have come to me, Mrs. Crane. You should have contacted the police. Oh, no, I want nothing to do with the police. Nothing to do with them. Uh, but uh, I was sure if I came to you, you might investigate. Uh, you could creep into the house at midnight. I have no right to break into the Rogers' home just because you heard one of the sisters moaning, Mrs. Crane. Oh. But I'll do what you should have done. Call the police. At what time did you hear this moaning? Oh, about an hour ago. It was so mysterious. Well, if one of the sisters is in trouble, I don't suppose it's too late to help them. Isn't this exciting, Blackie? Not very. I suppose you don't want me to mention your name to the police. Oh, oh I'd rather you didn't. It's more mysterious this way. Oh, fine. Hello, Faraday speaking. Hello, Inspector. This is Blackie. Goodbye. Now, wait a minute, Faraday. This isn't your department, but I thought you might want to contact the right one. What? There may be trouble in the Rogers mansion. There may be. There's been trouble in that house for 25 years. There's been nothing but trouble in there since those two sisters locked themselves in. Well, one of them might be in trouble, Faraday. I happen to know someone heard moaning in the building a couple of hours ago. Moaning, huh? They may be one of the old girls is dying. That's what I think, too. You better contact the emergency squad and maybe get out there yourself. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, I wouldn't think of it. But uh, pick me up on your way out, will you? <laughs> Boys, no one's going to answer the door. Well, I guess we'd better bust the door down, eh, Dugan? Sure, bust it down and get sued by the Rogers sisters? No, thanks. I got a wife and kids at home. I need my job on the police force. Well, here comes Faraday from Homicide. Maybe he's got an idea. Uh, how are you, Inspector? Hello, Dugan. Oh, who's the lad with you, Inspector? A rookie cop? Thanks, <laughs> I'll see you later. No offense meant, Blackie. You know that. Say, Blackie, how about you opening the door for us? You're pretty good with locks. What's the matter? Nobody answer when you knock? No, uh, it doesn't seem to be anybody home, Inspector. Have you heard any morning? No, Blackie, not a sound. Huh. Faraday, maybe we'd better force our way in. Without a warrant? Well, if I open the door, you can always go in to investigate. After all, there was moaning in the house a little while ago. I know, uh, but maybe you can... if we look the other way, Inspector. I guess we'd better. All right, boys. Okay. okay. All right. And look, uh, what's that across the street? I don't see anything. How can you be so dumb, Dugan? Maybe it's catching, Faraday. <laughs> Shut up, both of you. <laughs> Hurry up, Blackie. <laughs> Doors open, boys. I trust no one looks because. How I open locks is my secret. No one looks, Blackie. It was... Holy mackerel. What do you know? Look at the junk piled up there inside that door. Yeah, what is this place? A home or a warehouse? Yeah, we can't get through that pile of junk. I think we can if we crawl. Here's a sort of a tunnel under the junk. Uh, follow me. I'll go right behind Hello. Blackie, boys. You better leave one of your men here, Dugan. Yeah, okay. Right. Frank, you stand guard. You right. come with me, Carpenter. Right. Hey, what was that? I tripped over a wire in here and loosened those boxes. Must have been a booby trap. Blackie, you hurt? Do I sound it? No, but it's so dark in here. Hey, Blackie, what did you run into that time? Sounded like he knocked over a pile of junk. Hey, Blackie! Blackie! Inspector Faraday! Inspector! Holy mackerel, Carpenter, go for help. Blackie and the inspector sound like they've run into trouble.
Can you can you get out this way, Faraday? Yeah, I think so, Blanky. Brother, what fell on us? The whole house? No, but a, a room full of junk did. Uh, Guess I was knocked out for a while. I know I was. Where are we now? Huh. Well, out on the other side of the pile of junk, we first crawled under. Uh, hello! Hello! Hey, that's Dugan's voice. Hello! Faraday? Yeah? You all right? Blanky, will you? Yes, we're both all right. Where are you? We have a stand in the house. We couldn't get through that way after everything fell down. You find anything where you are? Nothing but more junk. Well, keep looking over there. Blanky and I will see what we can find over here. Meet you later. Okay. Here's the door, Faraday. Should we find this direction? I might as well. There's nothing but barrels and boxes on either side of us. Oh. Watch. Turn away, Faraday. Okay. Brother, you sure made that fast. Oh, it was just a simple door, Mark. Well, uh, another door. And locked. And uh, more junk. Well, keep looking at the junk. Look, it's so dark in here, I can hardly see anything anyway. Hey, at least we're coming to where it's lighter. Yeah, but the junk is getting heavier. There's another door. Hmm, look, Faraday. There's a sliding panel in this. Slide from this side? No, from the other. All right, go ahead. I'm not looking. Well, we've come all the way to one end of the house, Faraday. There's a window and... Uh-oh. I see it too, Blanky. She looks dead. She is too, Faraday. From a blow on the head. There was moaning in here, after all. Oh. The woman probably didn't die right away. I guess that's the boys. Yeah, Dugan and Dugan and Carpenter must be coming this way and are having trouble, too. I wonder which one of the sisters this is. This was Aggie, the older one, according to the pictures, I remember. This is the one who owned all the property and had all the money. Oh, yeah. The one who never came out of the house. Well, when we find the other one, what's the name? We'll, uh... I think her name is Martha, isn't it? Oh, here comes Dugan. Maybe he's bringing Martha with him. Well, if he is, our case is closed. This woman was murdered. Her sister is the only one who could have killed her. Holy mackerel. I've never seen so much junk in one house. Oh, my. Hey, is that woman dead? Yes. Did you find the other sister in your part of the house? No, but we've been through an awful lot of junk trying to get here. The other sister isn't in the house? Not unless she's about a foot square and hiding in one of these boxes. I know why, too. Blackie, coming up here, you said a woman told you she heard moaning in this house. Why didn't you bring that woman with you? Because while I was talking to you on the phone, she skipped out. Oh, no, she didn't. You didn't bring her with you because... I no... know what you're thinking. She called herself Vivian Crane, but I think if we find her, we'll find not only the missing sister, but this mystery's missing link. Paper, mister? Okay. Paper. Paper, lady? Yes, please. All right. Here they are, the old lady. Paper. Get Hello, the son. Paper, mister? No. You know what this badge means? Yeah, you're a cop, huh? Uh-huh. Faraday's the name. Are you Robert Perkins? Yeah, that's me. I want to talk to you, son. Yeah, but I haven't done yeah, anything. I... Someone else has. You're just about to benefit from it. Close up this stamp, son. See, I can't do that. One of the Rogers sisters was killed this afternoon. She left her entire fortune to you.
telegram from Mrs. Perkins. Oh, I thought you were one of those reporters. I'm sick and tired of talking to newspaper men. Mrs. Lawrence Perkins? Yes, where's my telegram? Oh, there isn't one, Mrs. Perkins, but there's my foot inside the door. Oh, another report. No, I'm Boston Blackie. Oh, I get don't... out of here. What? Is it just this minute getting here? I don't want to answer any questions. Everybody's been asking me questions today, ever since the police discovered Agatha Rogers' will. You want to know why that Rogers woman left everything to my son? That's it. Well, she was in love with my late husband before I married him. Now, will you get out? If you'll just answer oh, one... Oh, now the police. Oh, dear. Faraday. Blackie, do you have to beat me to everything? Well, I don't have to. I just do. Who's the boy? Mother, this policeman says I've inherited a lot of money. That answers my question. Yes, you have, Robert. But we're not going to accept it. I won't let you take money from that crazy old woman. But, Mother, I know. Now, look, Robert, Mrs. Perkins. Martha Rogers is missing. Do you have any idea where she might be hiding? Listen, I'll have you understand we're not in any way connected with the crazy Rogers women. Never saw either of them. Now get out of here. That means you, Faraday. And you, too. I see what you mean. Well, we've got no search warrant. Let's go, Blackie. Mother, why are you so obvious, Robert? Come on, Faraday, let's go. I'm way ahead of you. Goodbye, Mrs. Perkins. Goodbye, and don't ever come back. Mother, I wish you would be... Well, Faraday, I suppose you know what to do next. (laughs) Of course. Sure I do. (laughs) What? And now, back to Boston Blackie. Aggie and Martha Rogers are two recluse sisters who have lived alone in a junk-filled house for 25 years. A woman who calls herself Vivian Crane goes to Boston Blackie and claims she heard moans in the house one day. Blackie and the police break into the house to find Aggie Rogers dead, killed by a blow on the head. But Martha Rogers is missing. In her will, Aggie Rogers left the entire family fortune to Robert Perkins, a newsboy. But Robert's widowed mother says she wants no part of the money. As we return to our story, two detectives are on the Sea Island Ferry looking for the missing Martha. Uh, They're going to search the Rogers home we busted into yesterday, Carpenter. You think they'll find the missing sister? I wish they would, Dugan. Or I'm going to get picked up for staring at middle-aged women. (laughs) We've been riding this ferry for hours, and I've been eyeing them all day. Fine job for a couple of cops. Yeah. Yeah, we would have to be looking for a dame in her 50s, wouldn't we? Uh, Holy mackerel, why couldn't Martha Rogers be 19? (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) Holy mackerel, Captain, look. There's a dame starting to jump off the ferry. Let's get her. Hey, I noticed her looking down at the water. Yeah, and then up at us. Let's grab her, quick. Oh, no, lady. Oh, no, you don't. Holy mackerel, Captain, we're going to be too late. Oh, no, we're not. Shut you, lady. Let's go. I'll give you a hand, Carpenter. It's okay. No, Can I? please. I got it. Let me jump. You don't right. No. Holy mackerel, Carpenter. You know who this is? I got an idea. She's Martha Rogers. Let now, will you lady. stop Come struggling on. if please. I let you go, lady? Oh. oh, oh, yes. Yes, I might as well now. Okay. Makes you say you might as well, lady. Oh, because you know who I am and the police are looking for me. I called myself Vivian Crane. But I'm really Martha Rogers. You killed your sister. 
Didn't you, Miss Rogers? No, no, I didn't, I tell you. I didn't. He was dead when I got home. Yeah, that's your story. Uh, Dugan, any sign of Blackie yet? No, but I'm watching for him. I want him in my office as soon as he gets here. He said he'd be right down when I called him. Good. Now, look, Miss Rogers. Why did you go to Boston Blackie with a story about hearing moans as you passed that house? Oh, because I didn't want to go to the police. I was afraid the police would say I killed her. Well, you did kill her, didn't you? No, I told you. I found her dead. Now, what had you been doing before you came home and found her? Oh, I'd been at the grocery. Ask them there. They'll tell you I was there. I don't have to ask them. I checked and I already know you were there. And I know at what time, too. I was there at noon. I didn't get home till, uh, well, one thirty or 2. Yeah. I, I bought a great many things. Oh, so many. And the store was crowded. Very crowded. Here comes Blackie, Inspector Faraday. Oh, thanks, Dugan. Come on in, Blackie. You found the missing Miss Rogers, I hear. Yeah, and I want you to have a look at her. Is this the woman who came to you and told you she heard moans in the Rogers' house? That's right. But she called herself Vivian Crane. Oh, I had to, Blackie. I didn't want to get mixed up with the police. Yeah, so you told me. Blackie, she's got an alibi for the time Maggie Rogers was killed. Of course I have. I've done nothing wrong. Well, it was foolish to try and run away, but now I'm rich. You'll have to let me go free. I get all of Aggie's money now. You don't read newspapers, apparently, so you huh? wouldn't know about your sister's will, huh? Faraday, don't release the news that you found, Miss Rogers. Huh? And as for you, Miss Rogers, I'm afraid you're due for disappointment and the rest of us are due for a surprise. <laughs> This is the room where Aggie Rogers was murdered. You say you've never seen this room before? I've never been in this house before, Blackie. Never even in this neighborhood, have I, Mother? Oh, of course not. I don't know why Blackie insisted on bringing you here. Right now, I don't know either, Mrs. Perkins. Blackie, my son didn't kill that Agatha Rogers. He had a good reason to want her dead. In fact, he had thousands of reasons. All dollars. Blackie, I didn't kill that woman. I never saw her in my life. and never even knew about her. And I certainly didn't know she was going to leave me any money. Blackie, I never told him Aggie was in love with the man I married. I didn't want him to know about the Rogers girls or about any of this or anything. Well, he knows all about it now. Let's go into the next room. Be careful where you step, Robert. Why? Well, one false step and a barrel of junk falls down on you. This way. This passageway between these barrels. Careful. Right. Don't wander away, Mrs. Perkins. Well, I won't be far. Let's get this over with and go home. And to think people lived in filth like this. Oh, oh gosh, oh, I did are... it. Robert, I told you to be careful. Are you all right, Mrs. Perkins? Oh, certainly. You can see I'm all right. Oh, Robert, now, really, you're so clumsy. <laughs> I... I'm sorry. It wasn't his fault, Mrs. Perkins. This whole place is booby-trapped. Oh, look at so let's keep moving. women they must have been. They have a house littered with junk like this. Blackie, let's get out of here. We'll get out, Mother, but I can't get through this stuff too much. Oh! What's that? <laughs> Just another booby trap. I stepped on that one. Oh, my, my. Well, we're almost out. It's getting dark. We'd better call this off till tomorrow. Oh, now must you drag my son through this horrible place again? What were you looking for, Blackie? All I'll tell you, Mrs. Perkins, is that I've found it. Oh, 
Blackie, if Mother and I aren't being held for anything, why have we had to sit in Inspector Faraday's office for so long? Sorry to inconvenience you, Robert. We're waiting for Faraday to bring in a certain woman. Oh, here they are now. Come on in, Miss Rogers. Maybe this time you'll talk. But I told you everything. Everything. This is Miss Rogers, the missing sister, Blackie? Yes, Mrs. Perkins. But the police withheld the news of my suggestion. All right, Blackie. Here's Miss Rogers. Now, what makes you think facing Mrs. Perkins and her son will make a talk? I'm sure what's about to happen will make Miss Rogers talk, Faraday. But I'll have to talk first. Now, go ahead, Blabbermouth. Miss Rogers, have you ever seen these people before? No, I haven't. Should I have? Well, this is Miss Florence Perkins, the woman who married the man your sister Aggie was in love with. Oh. And this is her son. By the terms of your sister Aggie's will, the entire Rogers fortune went to Lawrence Perkins at his death through his heir. The boy here is his heir, Robert Perkins. You mean my sister left all her money to this boy? All her money and all the Rogers' property. You didn't know that, did you? No, I, I didn't. I, I didn't. I, I thought... Uh, you thought that everything well, would come to you. That's why you killed your sister, didn't you? No, no, I didn't kill her. I mean... Miss Rogers, there's no question about it. Aggie Rogers was murdered for her money. If you thought the money was coming to you, you had a motive for killing her. Oh, no, Blackie, Let me finish and maybe make you feel better, at least for a moment. Robert here says he didn't know the money was coming to him. But he may be lying. Robert. Yes, sir? You had a motive for killing Aggie Rogers, too, you know. But I didn't kill her, Blackie. I'd never been in that house until this afternoon, and I didn't know the money was coming to me. He might be telling the truth, Blackie. I think he is, Faraday. And I think Miss Rogers is telling the truth, too. Well, partly, anyhow. What? Just whose side are you on? The right side, Faraday. And with Robert and Miss Rogers eliminated as suspects, only Mrs. Perkins is left. What? Oh, well, now you're being utterly ridiculous. I'm being utterly logical, Mrs. Perkins. First of all, as Lawrence Perkins' mother, you might have known that he was going to inherit from Aggie Rogers. I... Well, how could I have known that? Those two women were crazy living in that filthy, cluttered home. Maybe they were crazy, Mrs. Perkins, but one of them was very clever. Clever enough to kill the other and almost get away with it. Well, then don't look at me. Look at that woman there. She's Martha Rogers. Oh, I only said that. I'm not Martha Rogers. I quite agree with you, Mrs. Crane. You aren't Miss Rogers. Look, what's going on here? If this woman isn't Miss Rogers... Who is? Mrs. Perkins is Martha Rogers, Faraday. Mrs. 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 Perkins is Miss Rogers, sister of Aggie Rogers, and she's the killer of Aggie Rogers. Oh, you have no reason to believe I'm Martha Rogers. This is only guesswork. It's awful good guesswork, though. But there's another thing that convinces me that you're Martha Rogers. Oh, there is? When I took you and your son through the Rogers' home, who touched off booby traps? I did. Robert did. So? So? I knew Robert here hadn't been in the house before. He touched off several booby traps. So did I. But you, Miss Rogers, because you are Miss Rogers, failed to set off a single trap. It is impossible to move around that house without setting off a trap, unless you know your way around. Blackie, I hate to admit it, but I think I've been holding the wrong woman. I'm telling you that I'm Mrs. Perkins, widow of Lawrence Perkins and this boy's mother. Yes, you are, Mrs. Perkins. But you're also Martha Rogers. But don't worry. Even if you have led a double life, you can be punished only once.
Dugan. Yeah? Remember last night when we were on this same ferry? Holy mackerel, do I? I'll say I do, Carpenter. That woman tried to jump overboard and then tried to tell us she was Martha Rogers. Smart dame. When she heard Martha Rogers was missing, she got the bright idea that she'd be Martha Rogers and collect her sister's dough. And if you ask me, the smart dame was that real Martha Rogers. Because she killed her sister? Ah, uh, what's smart about that? Well, holy mackerel, it was almost genius. Yeah? For 25 years, she's been known as Mrs. Lawrence Perkins. Nobody knew she was Martha Rogers, too. She never lived in the house with Aggie. Just came three times a week to bring food. Huh? She knew she wasn't getting any dough as Martha Rogers. But as Mrs. Lawrence Perkins, she was getting all the dough through her son. She tried to throw us off by pretending she didn't want the money. Listen, if you ask me, Dugan, the only smart person is Robert Perkins. He didn't do anything but tell the truth, and he got Aggie's dough. Huh. Holy mackerel, that's right. But while we're handing out bouquets, let's toss one to Boston Blackie. Brother, did he trap that murdering sister?
21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. How many hold-up men were there? Where? No, that's not in this precinct. But you give me the information. I'll see that the officers get there. Did they have guns? Yeah. You're in the muscle room at the 21st Precinct, the nerve center. A call is coming through. You will follow the action taken pursuant to that call from this minute until the final report is written in the 124 room at the 21st Precinct. All right. You just stay right where you are. The officers will be right there. Yeah. Right away. 21st Precinct. It's just lines on a map of the city of New York. Most of the 173,000 people wedged into the nine-tenths of a square mile between Fifth Avenue and the East River wouldn't know if you asked them that they lived or worked in the 21st. Whether they know it or not, the security of their homes, their persons, and their property is the job of the men of the 21st Precinct. The 21st, 160 patrolmen, 11 sergeants, and four lieutenants of whom I'm the boss. My name is Kennelly, Frank Kennelly. I'm captain in command of the 21st. I was working my day tour. At 12.55, plainclothesmen who are responsible for the enforcement of laws relating to gambling and public morals in the 21st and other precincts of the 6th Division raided a policy drop on Upper Madison Avenue and made seven arrests. The suspects were brought to the station house, and at ten minutes to two, they were being booked by Lieutenant Gorman, the desk officer. I was in my office across the muster room, reading and signing reports, which would be delivered by the precinct messenger to division. Sergeant Waters, on TF duty, was sitting at the switchboard. Uh, excuse me, Sergeant. Oh, hello, Mr. Sergio. What can I do for you? Is the captain around? Could I talk to him? He's in his office, yeah, but he's kind of busy. Is there something I can help you with? Well, I'd like to talk to him, Sergeant. Well, let me ring in that. Okay, we'll see. How are things over your way? All right, I guess. Good. 21st Precinct, Captain Canelli. Sergeant Waters on TS, Captain. Mr. Joe Sprizio has the upholstery shop there on 2nd Avenue's out here. He'd like to see if he's got a few minutes. All right, ask him to come in, Sergeant. Yes, sir. Okay, Mr. Sprizio. Right across there. Thanks. And a restaurant here today, huh? Yeah, we are. The plane closed and raided a policy drop. Oh? Uh, over there? Yeah, that's right. All right, now the next one up here. All right, Harold, Okanagan. 224. Come in. Oh, come in, Mr. Fritjo. Thanks. Well, I'm glad to see you. Want to sit down? Oh, yeah, thanks. Now, what can I do for you? Well, it's sort of a ticklish situation, Captain. I By Parent Magazine. A perfection air... What's it all about? Well, you know the few little storekeepers over there in my block. All small businesses. The merchants, mm. a couple of garage men, you know. Young. Well, we got this little association. It's nothing much. It's just for the neighborhood. You know, we give our Christmas party, and if some of the families need helping out, that's the thing that if somebody comes and asks us for a charity, we figure it's best to send them to the association rather than each individual merchant take care of themselves. Know what I mean? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's no big deal or anything like that, Captain. It's just something that we cooked up to take care of any emergency. Uh, And I have a little organization. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't even have no meetings hardly. It's just 10 or 12 of us small storekeepers over there. Well, uh, what about it? Well, you know Al Brider, don't you? Yeah, he has that luncheonette there on your block. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's a member. As a matter of fact, he's our treasurer. And? Well, Al is a nice guy, Captain. 
And I, I don't like to go make him any trouble. He works hard. He runs that luncheonette. He's there day and night. But after all, the dough belongs to the association. Well, what happened? I, I hate to get anybody in trouble, Captain, but if he's going to be the treasurer, he's got to have some responsibility. Now, he's short over $200, and he can't come up with it. Now, I wouldn't come to you, Captain, except that... Well, if a guy takes a job as a treasurer of an association, he's got to have some responsibility. I mean, that's what all the other members think. Well, what did he say when you asked him for it? Well, he admits he's short. He says he'll try to get it. Mm-hmm. He said he used the money to keep the luncheonette going. Now, he works hard. He runs that luncheonette. He's there day and night with his wife and everything like that. But, I mean, after all, it wasn't his dog, Captain. That, that's what I think. That's what all the other members think. Well, do you want to file a complaint against him, Joe? We just won our $200, Captain. Well, the police department isn't a collection agent. Yeah, I know. I know it isn't. Uh, we don't want to file no charges against him, but... Well, we, we, we can't let him get away with something like that. Well, there's just two things you can do, Joe. You can see a lawyer and try to collect it from him in the civil suit. Oh, no, no. Or you can make a complaint and the detectives and the district attorney will look into it from the point of view of a criminal case. Look, if we get a lawyer, it's going to cost us a fee, Captain. And if he's got nothing, we're out to $211 plus the lawyer's fee. Isn't there any way we could just, uh, well, you know, maybe sort of throw a scare into him? Not through the police department. Well, thanks, Captain. I'll walk out with you. I appreciate your help. See if I've been any help. Only wish I knew what to do. Go ahead. Uh, Nothing else you can think of, huh, Captain? No? It'd be a shame for us to be out there $211. All right. We're not big businessmen, you know. It's just a little association. It's not like the United States Chamber of Commerce. Hello, Captain. Matt? What have you got over there? Well, the plane closeman rated a policy drop-up on Madison Avenue. No. Uh, Lieutenant Matt King, Mr. Joe Spridgio. Oh, I am. Hello. Mr. Spridgio runs the upholstery shop over there on 2nd Avenue. Oh, I am. Lieutenant King is in command of the 21st Detective Squad. Oh, I'm glad to know you. Well, I won't take up any more of your time, Captain. I'm sorry I couldn't help you. That's all right. I guess this, this is a problem we have to work out ourselves. I think it is. Well, so long. Bye. Glad to meet you, Lieutenant. Yeah, and F. I hear that fellow does nice work, Captain. Yeah. My wife wants some foot covers, man. I think I'll send her in there. Well, I hope he uses more judgment in his business than in picking a treasurer for his organization. No, what's the trouble? Well, the treasurer is short $200. Oh. And out of all the members, they picked the one guy who's done time for being a thief. Who's that? You know, Al Brider that runs the lunch net over there. Oh, Yeah. He doesn't know any short time, does he, Miss Brighter? No, he got finished up last year, I think. Yes, I can. Matt, can I bring it down from the squad? He wants to talk to you. All right. Take it in my office, Matt. Thanks, Captain. I'll take it in here, Sergeant. Help yourself, man. Yes. 21st Squad, Lieutenant King. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. Uh-huh. When was this? What do they want from us? All right, who's upstairs? Yeah, okay. Take Novak and Howard and ride on down there. Yeah, all right. Oh, that's a big one, Captain. Oh, what? The payroll on a construction job in the ninth precinct. Three boys walked into the office shack and made the paymaster raise up. 
Got over 26,000. The borough office called and asked me how many men I could spare. I'm sending Novak, McInerney, and Howard down to give them a hand. 26,000, that's a good touch. Yes, sir. Especially tax-free. After the seven suspects arrested in the raid on the policy drop were booked by Lieutenant Gorman, a patrol wagon came to the station house and took them directly to Gambler's Court in the New York County Criminal Court building at 100 Center Street. Shortly afterwards, the alarm came through on the teletype concerning the payroll holdup in the 9th Precinct. It described two armed bandits who entered the construction company's shack, held up the paymaster and two assistants, and escaped with $26,000 in cash. The description of the third man, thought to be driving the car which waited on the street, was lacking. The payroll, which included more than $1,000 in silver, had been delivered by an armored truck only 30 minutes before the robbery. I signed the blotter to go off the job at 6 p.m. At the subway, I bought the evening papers. The story of the robbery was played in big headlines. There had still been no break in the case by the time I came into work at 3.40 the next afternoon to begin my night tour. Lieutenant Gorman was desk officer and Sergeant Waters had P.S. duty. Hello, Captain. Sergeant? You've got a visitor. I told him to wait in your office. Go ahead and take the call. I'll sign the block. Yes, sir. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Okay, 22. Well, who's the visitor, Sergeant? Oh, uh, it's Joe Spidio again. Yeah? He called the first thing this morning. They told him you weren't due in here until about a quarter to four. He asked if he can see you then. They told him be okay if he wanted to take his chances that he'd be able to. He's been here since about uh, 3.30. I told him I have a seat in his office. Okay, I'll be in there. Yes, sir. 21st Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Oh, hello, Mr. Spidio. Oh, Captain. Yeah, I, I hate to bother you again, Captain. Oh, that's all right. What's on your mind? Well, I... Oh, excuse me. Sure. 21st Precinct, Captain Kennelly. Sergeant Waters on TS, Captain. The paychecks are here. All right, send them into the 124 room. Yes, sir. Well, what did you decide to do about Al Brider, Mr. Spidio? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about. Nothing. Nothing? You were pretty steamed up at him yesterday. Yeah, I know, but he came into my store last night. He said he wanted to see me. He said to come into his luncheonette after I closed up. So I went in there. You know what? He gave me the money. $211. $211. Every cent he was short. Oh, that's so. You could have knocked me over with a feather. So, uh, I guess we'll just kind of forget about it, huh? Well, it's up to you. But we're making him resign as treasurer. That's the least we can do. Here he was all the time complaining to us about how he spent the money in his business and he didn't have a nickel and all that. And he comes up with $211 all of a sudden. Well, I guess it's a good thing you didn't make a complaint yesterday. Yeah, I guess it is, Captain. But, uh, you know, Captain, it don't do a guy any good that's got a little business if he gets a reputation like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I'd be able to come over and uh, just get it straightened out with you. Well, I'm glad you got your money. And so are we. Even if it almost took a truck to carry it home. What do you mean? Well, out of the $211, nearly $60 was in small change. Oh, was it? Yeah, I said, what are you doing, Al? It's the idea. He said it was just change he took in over the counter. Change he'd been saving up. Oh, telling you it'll take a long time to get $60 and change in that lunch and that. But I don't know. 
Don't make any difference as long as we got the money. It's a real load off my mind, I'm telling you. I want to thank you again, Captain. Oh, that's all right. Just want to make sure you didn't get me wrong ideas about Al. A little slow, maybe, but you paid up. I understand. Well, I'll see you around, huh? Yes, I'll see you, Mr. Pritchell. Upstairs to the detectives? Yes, sir. 21st Squad, Detective Goldman. This is Captain Kennelly, Goldman. Is Lieutenant King around there? Uh, yes, sir. He's here. Hold on a second. Lieutenant King, Captain Kennelly on two. He's coming, Captain. All right. 21st Squad, Lieutenant King. Captain Kennelly, Matt. Yes, sir. Did they get a break in that payroll robbery down in the 9th Precinct yet? The one yesterday morning? They must not have, Captain. They've still got Novak and McInerney down there working on it. Why? If you've got a minute, Matt, I'll come upstairs and tell you why. You are listening to 21st Precinct, a factual account of the way police work in the world's largest city. Lieutenant King about Al Brider, the owner of a 2nd Avenue luncheonette who had once been convicted of armed robbery. We agreed that the fact that he had suddenly paid off a rather large debt a great part of it in small change was suspicious, but by no means conclusive. There was sufficient reason, however, to check him out. Lieutenant King immediately assigned Detective Goldman to make a quiet inquiry into his recent activity. The Bureau of Criminal Identification was telephoned and requested to send a photograph of Brider made at the time of his previous arrest to Lieutenant King. Inasmuch as I had on occasion stopped into the luncheonette since it was opened by Al Brider, I decided to do it again. So after I turned out the platoon at four and completed some paperwork, I went on patrol of the precinct. During the course of that patrol, I instructed my operator, Patrolman Farrell, to drive down 2nd Avenue and stop up the block from Al Brider's luncheonette. I got out of the car and walked back past several small stores until I reached Al's place. Through the window, I could see there wasn't a customer in the store, just Al standing behind the small counter. Captain? Oh, Al. Well, sit down. Make yourself at home. Oh, thanks. It's been a long time since I've seen you around here, Captain. Yeah, well, I was down the block. I thought I'd drop in and see how you're doing. Well, what do you have? Want to see a menu? No, no, I'll just make it a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Sure. So what's new with the police department? Oh, what's new around here? Oh, uh, you know, same old stuff. Well, how's business been? Any better? Yeah, can't you notice the improvement? All the customers? Ah, it's too bad. I thought this was a pretty good spot for a luncheonette. I thought you'd do swell here when you opened up. Oh, it should be a good spot. Maybe it still will be if I can stick it out long enough. Things are that rough, hmm? Well, it's a sense this joint isn't paying its way. I got this little sideline that helps out, though. Oh, what's that? Well, I pack box lunches, take them around, sell them to guys on jobs, you know? Get out early in the morning selling the... Box lunch? Uh-huh. Uh, what kind of guys? You know, construction jobs, factories, places like that. Ooh, sounds like a good idea. Well, if it wasn't for that deal, I'd really be behind the eight ball. Every nickel I make off the box lunches, I'd pour into here. Too bad. Want some more cream? No, no, this will do. Things are looking up a little bit, uh, Captain. Yeah, well, I hope so. At least I'm busy, at least between the box lunches and the lunch and that working day and night, I, I keep out of trouble. Well, thank goodness for that. Well, then, 
Them days are over, Captain. You get older, you get some sense. I'm glad to hear it. When I was a kid, I was in one jam after another. A big, bold kid, that was me. Then they hit me between the eyes with that sing thing deal. Huh? I'm through with that kind of stuff. Don't pay. Well, that's good to hear. You know, somebody told me a couple of weeks ago you were having a hard time meeting your bills. I said you might have to close the place up. Who was that? Oh, I don't remember. Somebody around here. No, there's, there's nothing to that. I don't think so. Well, I'm glad. I like to see somebody make a success out of a business. Well, it's not exactly a success as yet, but it will be. I get a pretty big crowd for lunch. I gave them a good sandwich here. You can't beat it any place in the neighborhood. How about a hamburger? I'll show you. No, 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 thanks. I had a late lunch. Well, stop around sometime, Captain, when you're hungry. Uh, what do you do with those box lunches? Just uh, sell them to places around here? Yeah, I, I sell them all around. Uh-huh. Well, how far do you go? Well, I don't mess around much on the west side. I've got a few steady customers downtown, got a few uptown. Uh, most of them are around here. Factories, mostly, huh? Yeah, factories. Like I said, construction jobs. <laughs> no, these construction workers are making so much money these days, they're getting too high class to carry their lunch from home on the subway. <laughs> Decently stepped. I can imagine. But I've got the plans, Captain. I figured on getting some more help in here. Maybe a cook and a waitress, and I can put in a little more time developing the box lunch business. If I can expand that a little bit and keep the luncheonette going, I'll, I'll be doing all right. All that takes money. I'll manage, Captain. I talked to Al Brighter until I finished my coffee. When I left, I got into the car and I instructed Patrolman Farrell to return to the station house. Lieutenant King and his detectives had already begun the investigation that might link Al Brighter to the payroll robbery. I told him about my conversation. I went off the job at 6, and when I returned at 3.30 the following day for my night tour, there was a message that Lieutenant King wanted to see me. I went upstairs to the 21st squad. I saw Lieutenant King sitting in his office with Detective Goldman. I walked over. Matt? Come in, Captain. Goldman came up with a few things. Did you shut the door? Yeah, sure. Ah, hello, Captain. Goldman? Go ahead, Dan. Well, there's a couple of interesting things. Most interesting, Al seems to have gotten his hands on a good deal of cash in the last couple of days. In addition to the $211? Uh, yes, sir. He, he owed a pretty big meat bill to a butcher around the corner from him there. Of meat for the luncheonette. He sure got prosperous suddenly. Well, when I was in there, he told me that things were pretty rough. But he did say that he had prospects that they'd get better. And the prospects seem to have come about pretty fast, Captain. Well, well Captain, that's not the best of it. Yeah, tell the Captain about the other Goldman. Uh, this is a clincher to me, Captain. Uh, that box lunch business he has. Yeah? Well, from the description I get, he's been stopping down at that construction job where the robbery was every morning with six or seven orders. Now, he's got one customer in the office there, one of the assistant uh, payroll clerks. Oh, He's had plenty of opportunity to look it over and know exactly what goes on in there. Well, but he doesn't answer the physical description of any of the bandits. No, but he could have been driving the car. Yeah, he could have. Captain, I'd say he did. Yeah, I guess you're right. Good work, Goldman. Oh, thanks. You too, Captain. Well, what are you going to do about it? You going to pick him up? I'll have to call down to the commander of the Ninth Squad's staircase. Yeah, oh, do you have any idea who he's been running with, Dan? Well, that's pretty hard to say, Captain. I haven't had much time to check, but I found out his wife's brother has a record as long as your arm. Oh, who's that? A fellow named George Vantella. 
One of the neighbors where Al lived told me about the brother-in-law. He said Al and his brother-in-law are always together. I called down to BCI, and they checked out the name. Guy got five or six arrests and two convictions for armed robbery. Goes all the way back to when he was a kid 17. Oh, from the way it looks, right up to the day. Lieutenant King, after seeing that Al Brider was put under surveillance, went downtown to the 9th Squad to inform the detective commander who had jurisdiction over the case of the information that had been obtained. Detectives of the 9th Squad joined those of the 21st in the plant on both the luncheonette and Al Brider's house. Pictures of Al Brider and his brother-in-law, George Van Teller, were obtained from the Bureau of Criminal Identification. And later that evening, Detective Goldman and Detective Michael Donahue of the 9th Squad drove out to a small residence in Rego Park, Queens, where one of the payroll clerks, a Mrs. Mickelson, resided. Mrs. Mickleton? Who is it? We're police officers, Detective Goldman and Detective Donahue. Oh, all right. Detective who? I'm Detective Goldman of the 21st Squad, and this is Detective Donahue of the 9th Squad. Come in. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I've been trying to fry some potatoes in there for an hour. First my daughter gets me on the phone, and then the next door woman comes in. I'll never get those potatoes fried. I'm sorry. That's all right. No reflected on you. Just that I work all day and have to come home and try to fix supper, too. Just be a terrible rush. Well, I hope we don't have to keep you too long, Mrs. McGee. Oh, my potatoes. Come in the kitchen, please. My husband likes them just so. Not too done and not too undone. You know how men are, don't you? (laughs) Yes, we know how they are. (laughs) You see? Uh, Just let me take them off the fire. Now, Now, what can I do for you? must be something about the robbery. If it wasn't something about the robbery, you wouldn't be here. Yes, it's something about the robbery. You caught those men. I bet you caught them. No, not yet, Mrs. Mickelson. Oh, that's a shame. Then what is it? Well, you said you'd recognize them if you saw them again. Oh, yes, I'd recognize them. Two, that is. I'd recognize the third one also, except he was sitting in the car and I didn't see him. I'd recognize anybody. I've got a very good memory. A very good memory, Detective... Donahue. Detective Donahue. I've uh, got a couple of pictures here, Mrs. Mickelson. Pictures? Uh, yes, photographs. Now, would you look through them and see if you can recognize any of these? See if any of them look uh, familiar? Well, I'll try. That's all I can do is try. That's him. That's the one who held the gun on me. This one. Oh, that's fine. That's him. I can see him standing there before me with a gun pointed right at me. Scooping up the money. He just scooped it up. Do you know about the others? Have you got the pictures on them, too? Uh, No, no, not yet. Do you know where they are? No, but we'll find them. And thank you very much, Mrs. Middleton. Would you like to stay to dinner? We're having more than five potatoes. I've got a roast in the oven. Well, thanks for the invitation, but we've got a lot of work to do. Oh, yes. You've got to go out and arrest this fella and and fingerprint him and question him and and all that. No, not yet. First, we've got to find him. When these officers returned with the information that one of the victims had identified the brother-in-law of Al Brider as one of the bandits, Lieutenant King and the commander of the 9th Squad prepared to make the arrest. Because it had been my suggestion that led to the correct information, I was asked if I wished to participate in the arrest. I agreed to, and at 10.35 that night, we drove over to the luncheonette on 2nd Avenue. 
When we walked up to the door, there were two customers sitting at the counter. Al was behind the counter. Lieutenant King and I entered with Detective Goldman and Donahue right behind us. Hello, Captain. Have a seat. Al, this is Lieutenant King, commander of 21st Detective Squad. Hi. Hello, Al. I see you've got a few customers. Yeah, I told you business was picking up. Can we talk to him? Yeah, sure. What's on your mind? How about uh, going in the kitchen? Yeah, sure, if you want. Well, what's the trouble? There's nobody out there, is there? No, there's nobody there. I didn't get that chef I was telling you about. I, I didn't hire him yet. Okay, let's go in. Sure, this way. Come on. If you fellas want anything, just holler. I'll be in the kitchen. Uh, in there. Yeah. can I do for you, Jeff? You've been passing out a lot of money lately, Al. What do you mean? You've been paying up a lot of old debts. You've been straightening up on bills. Well, I've got to. I wouldn't be able to stay in business. Where'd you get the money? I make it. I've got the luncheonette here and the box lunch route. I make it. Don't make that much. You can pay up all those bills so suddenly. Well, what bills? I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, Al. Uh, let's not waste any time. I don't know what you're talking about. Where'd you get all that money? Well, to tell you the truth, that's what we want, the truth. I uh, went into a crap game the other night. What crap game? It was a crap game with the boys. Just the boys. Is George Van Teller one of those boys? Well, yeah. Yeah, he's one of them. He, he was in the game. Where is he now? I don't know. I haven't seen him in a couple of days. I think he went down to Philly. That's where I think he went. Down to Philly so he could get out of town until the heat blows over from that construction payroll job. Isn't that right, Al? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, Al... Want to tell us about it? I, I don't know. I don't know what you're driving at. You fingered the job and drove the car. That's where you got the money, isn't that right? No, it's not right. You got no right to come up here and accuse me of anything like that. That's where you got the money, isn't it? I won it in a crap game. I told you that. Where's the rest of the money? You must have got three or four thousand or maybe five out of it. You guys are talking crazy. Al, I'm bringing four or five of my men down here. We're going over this place from top to bottom. Then we're going out and go over your house. We'll find it. Yeah, I guess you will. Okay, fellas, you got it right. Where's the rest of the money? To my house. I'll take you to it. It's a shame. This thing had me in fine shape. I paid off everybody. I was just getting straightened out. Straightened out beautiful. Well, Al, you come on with us. We'll straighten you out some more. First Precinct, Sergeant Waters. Yes, he be. No, the call was for a car to go to 71st and 1st to meet the officer and bring in a prisoner. He counted a boy carrying a loaded revolver. Yeah, that's right. Six said he won't be okay. And so it goes. Around right. the clock, through the week, every day, every year. A police precinct in the city of New York is a flesh and blood merry-go-round. Anyone can catch the brass ring, or the brass ring can catch anyone. 21st Precinct, a factual account of the way police work in the world's largest city, is presented with the official cooperation of the Patrolman's Benevolent Association, an organization of more than 20,000 members of the Police Department, City of New York. Everett Sloan in the role of Captain Kennelly, Ken Lynch is Lieutenant King. Featured in tonight's cast were Gladys Thornton, Harold Stone, Mandel Kramer, Wendell Holmes, Bill Smith, and Don McLaughlin. 
Written and directed by Stanley Niss. Produced for CBS Radio by John Ives. Art Hanna speaking. That's it for Case Closed. This week, there's more from Boston Blackie, 21st Precinct, past episodes of this podcast, and everything else, Relic Radio, at the website, relicradio.com. You'll find our Shoutcast stream there with even more old-time radio. Don't forget to donate while you're there if you'd like to help this and all of the shows. Thank you, as always, to those who have. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Case Closed.